is the University of Michigan. Touchdown, Michigan! Welcome to Blue by 90, your Michigan Wolverines podcast. We are three dudes who talk maize and blue. I'm Kalen, joined by Jack and Roe. And today we have special guest Eric Rudder from WolverineDigest.com. Eric, how you doing? Oh, everything's good on my end. How are you guys doing today? Not bad. Doing well. What are you drinking over there, Eric? I've got a Founders All Day IPA going. It's classic. Can't go wrong with that. That is a classic. Hey, this is actually a pretty funny story. So last week, or actually earlier this week, I get a DM from Eric at like, I don't know, 9 o'clock at night. And he's like, hey, have you ever drank the B43s? It's like M43, but a different one. And I'm like, no, man, I haven't. And then I don't get a DM from him until the next morning. And he's like, yeah, dude, don't drink those. They'll mess you up. (laughs) It's dangerous. Like, proceed with caution if that's going to be your move. I saw they just came out. What's the alcohol percentage on them? I think it's like seven or so, and then M forty threes in the six range. I had never seen it before trying it. They just taste so good. That's what gets you in trouble. Very good. <laughs> <laughs> I was laughing so hard when I woke up to his next one. I was like, "Oh, so you you forgot to even check your phone after." <laughs> Sometimes you just have to like log out, put the phone away. Understandable. Understandable. Especially in your business. Like you you've got to disconnect somehow. Yeah. You got that right. Sounds like B forty three is the move then on the checkout. <laughs> yeah. Next week's podcast we're all having B forty threes and we'll just go into a spiral. <laughs> oh my by the end of the episode we're not even making sense. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's a regular episode. True. Yeah. True. Good point. We'll ask Roe on the ed- what's on the cutting room floor in the editing room there. <laughs> oh, yeah. By the end of the episode, usually I'm cutting out like a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's switch to some uh, some more breaking news, right? I mean, uh, Michigan came out with their Big Ten schedule the other day, um, and we already have players saying that they're opting out of the season, right? Um, so remind me if I miss anybody here. Rondale Moore, right? Uh, at Purdue, uh, Micah Parsons, I think that's right. Um, and then who's the third guy? Rashad, uh, Rashad Bateman. Rashad Bateman. So we've got like the Big Ten's top receiver, Big Ten, probably two of the Big Ten's top receivers, and then one of the nation's best linebackers. Right. Great for Michigan, but yeah, sad for college football fans. The uh, Wolverines would have faced those players weeks one through three to start the season, so. That's a pretty easy introduction into the strange year ahead of us. Which is kind of, it's, I mean, the first three games, we Jack and I actually talked about it on a, our video of um, our instant reaction of the Big Ten schedule just yesterday. And we were like, actually, those first three games are tough, man. And so um, it's kind of a relief. I mean, obviously, you want to play the best players, but... For Michigan fans, it's a bit of a relief um, to have to be able to ease into the to the season when obviously they 
you know, we don't know what's coming at quarterback and, and some other positions. I mean, it makes the first five games a lot easier, too, because after that, we've got Rutgers and Michigan State. Yep. I think a lot of people might have looked at Purdue to open the year as a trap game. Obviously, Moore was a talented guy that the Wolverine secondary would have to key in on and focus on. But if you move past that, Michigan has two really tough portions of its schedule, and they're each two-game stretches with – um, week two being Minnesota, and then week three, Penn State. That was perhaps like the toughest hump when I looked at the schedule because Penn State's front seven is real dangerous. And with Michigan replacing so many guys up front, four NFL draft picks on the O-line, that looked like it could provide some like pretty quick matchup problems for, for Michigan. So this should at least make that a little bit easier. For sure. Yeah. I mean, that the Penn State front seven has been just continuously improving, it feels like, under James Franklin. So playing them, what, week two? Or what? Is that right? Week two? Penn State week three. Week three. Week three. Week three it's, it's still going to be tough. I mean, yeah. And I think you're right. I mean, that Purdue team, I initially looked at it and I was like, it could be a trap game, right? I mean, Purdue tends to be one of those guys that upsets somebody throughout the year, but usually that's on the tail end of the year after they've had some time to work through some some issues or whatever. Uh, but at the beginning of the year, not so much. And then with Rondale Moore sitting out, I, I feel pretty confident about that game. Yeah, yeah. and I was just going to say, and the Minnesota game, you know, obviously – COVID aside, it was going to be a very tough game at Minnesota with their crowd. That was going to, you know, they they beat uh, was it they beat Penn State last year, right? At mm-hmm. um, who did they beat at home? Uh, Penn State. Was it? I'm Penn pretty State? sure, like ninety yep. percent sure. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. So like their crowd is into it now. That would have been you know a huge game for them at home. PJ Flack versus Harbaugh type of thing. And now I'm assuming no fans or at least limited fans. That's a big thing for Michigan too to have not have to go in there with a raucous crowd too and don't forget that's a rivalry game little brown jug that's yeah. true trophy game you get a trophy at the end mm-hmm. and minnesota's quarterback tanner morgan he's pretty underrated i know the secrets out about him at this point but he developed uh, some real solid chemistry with his weapons over the last couple years and i thought 2020 was going to be when you see him take that next step forward but without Bateman, that'll be a little bit tougher for him to accomplish. He'll really have to kind of prove himself at that point. Mm-hmm. I I think Rondale Moore, or sorry, Don Brown is licking his chops <laughs> right now. Like he's like, all right, I don't have to deal with any speedy receivers anymore because that's <laughs> all we've gotten burnt by in the last three years, you know. So he's like, no more KJ Hills, no more KJ Hamlers coming at me. Don't have to deal with those guys and having a linebacker chase them down. So we might be okay on the defensive side. <laughs> yeah. And then what about kind of in the middle of the schedule here? I mean, it's like Indiana, Ohio State. How many years have we played Indiana and then Ohio State? Like, it feels like Seems forever like, yeah. at this point. Yeah. And Indiana's always a tough game, it feels like. And they've been improving, right? I mean, they had a. A nice little season last season, right? And they've just kind of been continuously improving. Do you guys think that that could pose any sort of issue this year? 
I think it could be a trap game that you know if if Purdue's maybe not the trap game anymore that could any any game before Ohio State is always going to be a possible trap game right and let alone we've always had trouble on the road at Indiana Michigan has struggled at Indiana for some reason it's not like it's a crazy atmosphere or something but it's always a weird game with Indiana so that could be the trap game you know coming off a of bye week they're probably going to prep for Ohio State a lot during that bye week. Um, I don't know. We'll see. The good thing is, though, the week before the bye week, they can beat up on Michigan State and take <laughs> it out on them a little bit here. And when you when you when we talk about Indiana, when you and I looked at the Big Ten schedule and did our instant reaction, that was one of the two losses I had for the season because they've got – I'm going to butcher this guy's name. Uh, I'm going to say – Penix, Michael Penix Jr., back at quarterback, <laughs> healthy. To and he had a hot year last year until he got hurt. So I mean, Indiana's always a tough game. That it seems like they're hyped going into the season. Um, he's going to be healthy. It's a scary game. It's a scary game for me coming off a of bye week with Ohio State following after that. Right. That seems like a pretty clear opportunity where some of the Michigan players could be looking ahead to that red letter game against the Buckeyes. But I think it's important, like Justin said, how facing Indiana, that's a road matchup. And road games have not been gimmies in the Jim Harbaugh era. Uh, yesterday I was going through his record and not counting neutral zone games or neutral site contests. Michigan's only 19-5 and five on the road. Nope, that's not right. It's 15-9. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so six games over 500, that's not the most imposing record. So you see there's slip-ups occasionally when Michigan leaves Ann Arbor. Right, and then they don't have much time to rest because then they play Ohio State the week afterwards, right? And, I mean, we'll talk about it later, a little bit about what the coaches are saying about that. Uh, But, I mean, Ohio State is just, at this point, they're, you know, the behemoth in the north, right? They're... Uh, SEC North country. Yeah, I, I mean, again, let's. I think Michigan fans, they're seeing the, all these other players opt out, and everyone's like, Justin Fields, please opt <laughs> please. out. Please opt out. You know, like, <laughs> follow suit. You're a top three draft pick. Why not? You know, but he also, I think it's weird because I saw something about what he said the other day, and, you know, obviously. Yeah. Kalen, you just talked about it. We'll talk about, you know, Day versus Harbaugh later. But he said something like he wants to put, you know, put the beat down on the Wolverines too. And I'm like, how does this guy, he's been in Columbus for 18 months. How does he already have this gigantic hatred for Michigan? And it doesn't seem like any Michigan players, and I'm sure they do, but on the surface it doesn't seem like they have that same hatred even after three, four years in the program. Yeah, it seems like they kind of feed it in day one. And what what he said was beat the brakes off the Wolverines. Man, that gets me hyped up. I wish I was playing. I wish I wasn't so fragile. And, you know, I could play football. That'd be great. <laughs> don't you don't you think – actually, I'll say this later so we can keep going. All right. Well, I think uh, what's interesting outside – so we play Ohio State and then we play Wisconsin. So – I mean, no matter what happens at the Ohio State game, you got to suit up next week and play another tough Big Ten team. I mean, 
I think I heard something like the last time that happened was in the 30s. So, I mean, this is everything's backwards. I have no idea what to even make about that. <laughs> well, you hit the nail on the head there, Kalen. Looking at the schedule, at first you have Penn State and Minnesota back to back, which is a tough go of things. And then Wisconsin immediately follows Ohio State. Those are two two week periods that the Wolverines absolutely have to be on their A game. The, the, those four weeks itself are going to dictate how successful 2020 goes for Michigan. Yes, hundred percent. I mean, there's. I just think it's so it's so difficult when for years and years we've been building up to the Ohio State game, and that's how we end the year. And now we have to play that game and then move past whatever the result is and play another tough team. Uh, you know, I think it's really interesting, and credit to the Big Ten for building this into their schedule, but there's still a possibility that Michigan and Ohio State meet up at the end of the year. So each team has three bye weeks. The first one is going to come in between weeks five and seven. The second bye week is either week 10 or week 11. Then you have week 12. In week 13, there's another bye that works, that goes across the whole conference. So everybody has that week off, then after that would be the Big Ten championship game. If for some reason Michigan and OSU have to reschedule their contest, there's two opportunities for them to still get the game in, and one being the last week of the season. That that makes me curious. I wonder if uh, maybe Harbaugh is going to try to doctor some documents to say some guys tested positive, because that way we've got a bye week, so are you are you saying that they would play in one of the bye weeks they have already, or it would be later in the season after Northwestern? Do we... In one of the bye weeks that are already built in. Oh, that's when they would play the makeup game. So either before Northwestern gotcha. or after Northwestern, right? Oh, okay. So if it was if we were able to play Ohio State after Northwestern, same thing, last game of the season, that wouldn't be too bad to have a bye week. Northwestern, I mean, <laughs> come on. That's got to be a win. They and got then, Ramsey now, though. Never know. But they had who did they have from Clemson? Who was that guy? Um, I don't he was the Hunter something. He was like the number one recruit his year, and he played last year, and he did not look good. So I don't know. Peyton Ramsey, I think, is solid. He's not as good as Mister P over there in Indiana, but uh, <laughs> but I don't know. You could see like coaches maybe doctoring stuff, trying to get a bye week in uh, in a more more comfortable spot i'd be interested to see how they kind of mess with that and pat fitzgerald runs a strong program there you can never really count out the wildcats yeah it's tough when they're five and seven though it seems like the last <laughs> few years but well, yes I, I i i love pat fitzgerald um so one thing too with the schedule that um is i think good for michigan moving forward past the 2020 season is that they switched Michigan State to a home game. So it's supposed to be in East Lansing this year. Now it's a home game, which means that going forward, which is the statement they they put out as well, going forward the schedule will be flipped. So Michigan will now have Ohio State and Michigan State either home or away. So they're not going to have them both home and home or both away and away, which is great for season ticket holders, you know, we don't have to go through a season where we don't see either Michigan State or or and Ohio State in um, Ann Arbor at all, which I think is great. It's good. Benefits us. Great for um, tailgating. <laughs> yeah, it's good well, from a balanced perspective. 
you go back a couple years ago when the divisions were shuffled and Michigan had to go to East Lansing two consecutive years in a row. So this kind of evens the playing field in that respect. And, and Michigan got it, their asses kicked <laughs> at those times. So I don't want to hear any Spartans out there complaining because we're about to kick your asses two years in a row too. <laughs> Sorry. I really need to stop this. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, you just man. like riling him up, Kalen. Did you see Mike? Mike respond. Mike uh, Salentino. He responded to uh, Rose' tweet that he put up on the Instagram, where it was like the toughest games of the schedule oh. was like weeks one through whatever, and then by week by week, Michigan State is the last one. Was <laughs> Mike really was like, "Come on, like man!" <laughs> <laughs> very clever. Very clever, though. Uh, no. The other, the, the one other thing I did want to point out too is the annoying thing you look at ohio state's schedule all right they so michigan starts off with purdue you know solid they got one of the best receivers in the big 10 you know they're not a top tier team but still solid minnesota penn state like three tough games ohio state illinois rutgers purdue indiana by northwestern michigan state and then they play michigan it's like okay you might as they might as well not play those games. They're going to be 6-0 and going into the Michigan game easy. Right, yeah. I mean, who who scheduled this? I'm calling the Big Ten commissioner and, uh, you know, feeding them the cupcakes or something. I don't know, because that's know. what he's given Ohio State. I got faith in Indiana, man. My boy, Mr. P. And then it's Nebraska with, um, is Adrian Martinez still there? Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'll finally have a year. Where people are, you know, he's hyped up every year. Maybe he'll have a year where he can do something. Dude, how many games did Nebraska win last year? Like three. Yeah, not a lot. I think they went like five and seven or something. Oh, yeah. They improved. They're not good, though. But, I mean, it's just like, I I mean, I hate to be that Michigan fan that's like, you know, complaining about Ohio State's schedule. But, like, how does that happen year after year? They just... Things just fall into their laps like this. I don't understand. Yeah. See, I'm I'm working on a piece right now that kind of breaks down the 14 teams in the conference and who has the easiest schedule going forward. And the way that I'm doing it is I'm assigning a ranking, kind of like a power ranking to each program. So Ohio State, it's it's one through ten. So Ohio State's number ten. Rutgers, I have like a one. You know, <laughs> Michigan State's right around there too. And then I'm going to add up the totals for each opponent and then see who has the strongest strength of schedule. But just looking at it kind of off the cuff, OSU had the easiest run of it in my book. Right behind OSU, I had Wisconsin and Penn State as two of the easier schedules as well. But naturally, though, that does favor quality teams because if you're the Buckeyes, you don't have to play Ohio State. Right. And True. That should work in Michigan's favor too. I have Michigan at number five. Yeah, so right in the middle of the pack, that kind of that makes sense. Yeah, upper third. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, while we're kind of on the subject of Michigan, Ohio State, let's kind of talk about some of, uh, you know, the Big Ten coaches' call that I think that happened last week. Um, if does anybody have the exact words? I don't have them pulled up, just myself, but. Um, this is this is all allegedly, you know, it came from an Ohio State message board. It's now made the rounds right. on ESPN, CBS, Bleacher Report. And then it's been corrected from that time too. 
It has? Oh, okay. really? So what's, the, what's the correction then? Okay, so I think the message board report had it where Ryan Day said he wanted to hang 100 on Michigan on the conference call, but that was really a message that he relayed to his team afterwards in a meeting. Okay, yeah. Those two okay. kind of getting conflated. That, that was what we had too. So they originally came out with that, and then like another message board message said what you just said, right? So well, there was kind of a contentious discussion between Harbaugh and Day on the conference call. Yeah, he Harbaugh, I think, right, he was, like, talking about how Al Washington and Day were on the field practicing with guys when they weren't supposed to, right? Yep. And then Day said, why don't you worry about your team and I'll worry about mine? And I thought it was really interesting that not only did Harbaugh just mention or allude to Ohio State breaking the rules, but he named names. He, uh, he brought receipts. Well, and Al Washington, who is one of his former coaches who left Michigan to go to Ohio State. Maybe that's why he felt more comfortable kind of going right at him because he has that relationship with him. I don't know. That's that. I love that because that just means, man, the rivalry is alive and well, right? I mean, guys are shooting shots on the phone. And I, I this isn't just like, Harbaugh talking today on the phone, right? This is all the coaches. Everyone. So everyone's, you know, that's like when you're at dinner and you're, you know, your two aunts start fighting and you're just sitting there like, oh, shit, right? Just happy not to be involved. Right. (laughs) Scott Frost is looking at Jeff Brom just like, holy shit. It's like Thanksgiving dinner. Let let me get another beer for this entertainment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I do like, I mean, I felt like in the past, I don't know, two, three years, just because Michigan has gotten beat so bad by Ohio State that Harbaugh has kind of taken a a seat on the bench and just been like, all right, I can't say much, you know, to them. But he's still got that fire. And whether or not you want to call him complaining or, you know, a snitch or whatever like that, I love that he's not going to just take a back seat and he's actually going to say something. Um, you know, especially right to Ryan Day's face. It's not like he's, like, calling Kevin Warren, the Big Ten commissioner, you know, behind everyone's back and being like, hey, Ryan Day's breaking the rules. You know, he's actually, he's saying it right to him. And I think a lot that has to do with it, which is what you said, Eric, is Al Washington and Greg Madison were part of the Wolverine staff not too long ago, and now they're in Columbus, and he's probably like, Fuck those guys, man. I don't want anything to do with them. If they're breaking the rules, you know, we got to take care of that. And one thing that I think is kind of intriguing to think about is imagine if Michigan has pulled out one or even two victories against Ohio State during the Harbaugh era. How different would his offseason trash talk be? Because (laughs) I think when he initially took over at Michigan, he was sending out some subtle shots. He was, you know doing his thing, making it known what he thought. And it seems a bit subdued the last couple of years. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping this year after, you know, what Ryan Day said to his team and what uh, um, Justin Fields, another player, I think it was another captain for Ohio State, said about, you know, trying to beat the brakes off Michigan. I, I Man, I hope that gets the players hyped up. I mean, we, we need something, it seems like, right? It feels like Ohio State's always very prepared for the game, and then, you know, we're good in the first half, but the second half, it's just all downhill. Honestly, these are like 
these are like the kinds of phrases that you need to print out on a huge billboard and put in the weight room, right? Week Just, one, put it up there. Yes. We're going to hang 100 on the Wolverines, Ohio State. That I should want be... that in the entrance so that every player sees that as soon as they walk in every day. This is what Ohio State thinks of you. They think you're dog shit and that they're going to literally put 100 points up on you. You know what I would want to see? is, and I will volunteer to do this myself, every building on Michigan's campus, put that, just post it up there. Everybody needs to see it, man. Keep them accountable. Keep the football team accountable. <laughs> and, you know, that seems to be, like, the kind of thing where you hear about Ohio State blocks off the M on every letter in their facilities, like, leading up to the game. And stuff like that might seem corny for from like an outside perspective, I've kind of thought that way in the past. But if it gets the guys amped up, if Fields is only in the program for a year and a half and he feels this way, there might be some merit to those methods. Yeah, I'm all for it. I'll I'll say this too. So we tweeted that out on Blue by 90 on our Twitter. Um, and we tweeted out the, the screenshot of him saying, I'll hang 100 on the Wolverines or whatever. And it – kind of went viral in Ohio in the Ohio State Twitter. Not the best Twitter I want to be going viral in, but that's okay. <laughs> um, but, like, I'm not kidding you. We had hundreds of messages of retweets and quotes and replies from Ohio State fans that are, like, gung-ho being like, yes, I love this. Ryan Day is the greatest. Like, we love this attitude. And, like, I just don't see that from Michigan fans. Michigan fans want to take the high road all the time and be like, you know, we don't do that type of stuff. But I, I don't know. You just need to have a little bit of an edge. And I know that, you know, it's got there's a difference between the players having it and the coaches and then the fan base. But collectively, it seems Ohio State has that mentality, you know, throughout the whole, whole thing. And so it doesn't seem like Michigan has that. Yeah, I, I, don't, right. the, I don't disagree with that, but maybe one interesting thing that you could do after getting all those messages in is put out a post of like the top three or the top five most flagrant things those Buckeye fans said to you. <laughs> I like it. I like that a lot, yeah. I'll, should you, I just at Jim Harbaugh? <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. I'll add old players, dude. I will say, I will say, like Jalen Mayfield. I think you put this out there, Eric. Um, Jalen Mayfield tweeted about the game date. Um, he there was a couple guys that were like, "All right, game on, October twenty fourth. That's it." You know, yeah. All those guys got hyped up. I love it. And one thing I really like to see is looking at like even the incoming recruiting class twenty twenty one with JJ McCarthy at the helm. These guys take it very seriously too. Two kids that you know are embroiled in the rivalry coming from Ohio. You have Marcus Allen and Rod Moore. They're talking just as much junk on social media as anybody. I love it. Chuck Woodson, 2.0. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> but Ohio guys. Ohio, an Ohio guy coming to Michigan talking shit to Ohio State. Nothing makes me happier. Yeah, so you know it means even more to those kids. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, it meant more to Trey Burke. It meant more to... Yeah. You know, Karis LeVert, too. Xavier uh, Simpson. Yeah. Like, Desmond Howard it, was an Ohio guy, right? Yeah. Who? Desmond Howard? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, while we're while yeah. we're on the topic of Ohio State, so Eric, I've I've proposed this to these guys before, where I would love to see them play Week One, just even if it's just this season. I feel like there'd be just so much hype around the game. We wouldn't typically we seem to lose every end of the year, and if we lose the game, at least it's over with, and we have the rest of the season to look forward to. If we win the game, we've got momentum to build the rest of the season. What I mean, would you like to see that, or do you prefer to see it at the end of the season? And and also with them moving it up, I'm like, move it up to the beginning. Why not? Yeah. So there's two aspects about that that are pretty intriguing to me. If you played the game week one, then you don't have to worry about players coming down with COVID-19 midway through the year and it possibly getting canceled. Because my honest takeaway, when you look at the schedule, when the breaks are built in, I could see the first three, four games being played, no problem. And then some teams start having issues here and there, and things kind of fall apart from that point. So if you move the OSU game to week one, I know that would make a lot of TV companies happy because they get their advertising money no matter what. That game is still a part of our season no matter what happens the rest of the way. But then secondly, neither team has tape on each other. The Buckeyes don't really have uh, a good feel for what Michigan is going to do because our two quarterbacks are going to be relatively unknown as starters. Now, we've seen flashes of both Dylan McCaffrey and Joe Milton so far, but the complete picture of what a Michigan offense will look like with one of those two under center, or maybe even two quarterbacks, if you're privy to the going in both directions at certain times, OSU won't exactly know how that looks either. So that could be a relative advantage this year as opposed to previous seasons. I'm glad I have somebody on my side. <laughs> well, and guys, one of you two, ask him the question that we're all waiting to hear, too. Mm. All right. <laughs> who do you got? Milton or McCaffrey? Who who would you like to see? Not, not who you think is going to be a starter. Who would you like to see out there? I think Joe Milton has a higher ceiling. He obviously has the arm talent. He can sling it anywhere across the field. But one thing that kind of influences my perspective right now, at least in terms of this offseason, is Joe Milton's been in Michigan. He's been working with quarterback coach Donovan Dooley. We've seen film of him. Devin Gardner has broke down some of the strides that Milton has made over the offseason. So we have tangible evidence that he's getting better. Now, there's no doubt in my mind that McCaffrey being at home, working out with his brothers and his dad, all guys who have NFL experience, He's training, too. He's not taking this time off lounging on the sofa and just expecting to be the starter. But we don't really know what it looks like yet. So I'd have to lean towards Joe Milton. You love to hear it. You really do. Do you? Okay, I'll, I'll ask this. So if that's, what, that's your original answer, do you think that McCaffrey may be more of a Jim Harbaugh-type quarterback, though, than Joe Milton? I feel like... Joe Milton's like a guy that wins the Heisman at Florida State or like something, you know, some somewhere where he what? Wait, you don't <laughs> want a Heisman winner? No, I want a Heisman, but I'm obviously if if Joe Milton's good enough to win the Heisman, let's put him in there. But I'm just saying from a Jim Harbaugh perspective where he's about taking care of the ball and he's about, you know, not making making mistakes and kind of the comfortable quarterback. Is McCaffrey more that guy? For Harbaugh, where he maybe doesn't want to take the chance with Milton? Well, I can tell you for a fact that 
Dylan McCaffrey is one of the guys Jim Harbaugh has liked his entire time at Michigan, even before McCaffrey was in Ann Arbor. Now, going back to 2016, that's when Michigan held the aerial assault camp. It was like A4 aerial assault in Ann Arbor. Now, I was talking to Brandon. This is both when we worked at different places, and Brandon saw a copy of Michigan's recruiting board, and it was like an Excel spreadsheet that has 30 different categories breaking down these prospects in a very in-depth fashion. And while all these other players had different metrics built in there, Dylan McCaffrey's, like, the, the space in front of his name, it said in capital letters, will be a starter at Michigan from day one. And that's all it had. So that's how highly they thought of Dylan back when he was a recruit. So I know that's a guy that Jim's favorable to, but we haven't seen it on the field yet. Dylan's gotten injured a little bit here and there. There have been guys ahead of him within the system. So there is a little bit of reason to question why he hasn't solidified the job up to this point. Yeah, and and to be honest, I heard last year from inside Schembechler Hall even when Shea Patterson was the starter, that Dylan McCaffrey in practice was by far the best quarterback. And for whatever reason, Jim thought, you know, I got to go with my guy, Shea. He's the senior. He's whatever. Like, I don't know what his reasoning was, but I, I think that to your point, Jim does, everyone thinks that highly of him. He is that good. But I felt like Harbaugh felt, backed into a corner a little bit because he brought Shea Patterson here and now he's got to play him, you know, or otherwise maybe his dad's going to make a, you know, big riff about it, like all this stuff. See, I really do agree with that rationale, and I think that played a role in it too. But if you're hearing that he was, quote, far and away the best quarterback and then he didn't see the field in a meaningful way, that's concerning. Yeah. Can't disagree with that. I mean, that's, that's an indictment of the coaching staff. That That's right there. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, we don't know who's going to be the starter. We got about a month to wait to see who it will be, uh, whether it's McCaffrey or Milton. I mean, place your bets, guys. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Whoever can win the game is who I want. How's that, how about that? I'm with it. We won't know until September 5th. I can guarantee Til you they that. jump on the field, yeah, till the Even first snap is taken. We might not even know if they decide to go two quarterbacks against Purdue to see who does better in their two quarters. Very true. We, we talked about that a little bit, not to extend this segment, but we talked about that a few weeks ago. Now we were like, you know, Tom Brady and uh, Drew Henson did it way back when. You know, I feel like that might be a situation where week one he does it again. Do and you guys I, remember Chris Leak and Tim Tebow at Florida? Yeah. I thought that was a perfect example and a blueprint of what a two quarterback system could look like. But how would I mean, how how do you think that would run with uh, Milton McCaffrey? Because I feel like Chris Leak was like the kind of guy he like he was a starter, right? And then Tebow was kind of like goal line, you know, I'll get you in there. Do you think that would be like McCaffrey as Chris Leak, and then Tebow would kind of be more Milton? Well, while they did use Tebow a lot at the goal line, I think they snuck him in like in between the 20s occasionally too. And a big, uh, a big part on how it would play out at Michigan revolves around in which situations they're used. Because I know in the past when uh, Jabril Peppers was taking snaps at Wildcat, you knew he was running it. Like you could almost right, like, yeah. tell the play before it happened based on Michigan's like 
uh, package and who is in the game. Now, if that's what happens where every time it's Milton, we're going to go deep, or if it's McCaffrey, we're going to do some read option stuff on the edge, it's not going to be successful. But I, I think and I hope that Michigan's kind of learned from the error of its ways in the past by letting everybody know what direction the play is going to go before it's snapped. Yeah, I'm curious to see what kind of system they uh, they employ to you know decide who the starter is. Well, because um, both guys can run and they can throw, and I think that's why you really have an open playbook that allows you to maybe go two quarterbacks this year, whereas in the past, you know, in different programs, for example, one guy is a lot better of a runner and the other guy is more of a passer. I think McCaffrey can make a lot of throws too. Yeah. Well, don't sleep on our guy that we're going to start hyping up here, right, Dan Valari. DV, that's my boy. <laughs> Number four, right? That's right, dude. Yeah. Little Jim Harbaugh there. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Got Did some... Harbaugh ask him to wear it? I don't know. Is that we're getting started here? Maybe. <laughs> Jack's, uh, Jack's making the bold call of not going with the five-star that is, like, deemed the savior. But he's going with the three-star guy now as, a, as a, the guy going forward. I love you know, the confidence. You know what? I'm not – Sorry. I was gonna say I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be that guy that you know. I I believe in McCarthy. I think he's gonna be very very talented, but we all remember what happened with Shane Morris, right? I'm just saying. I I like what I see out of Valari. Dude's got a little swagger to him. Yeah. Harbaugh told him he said I want you to wear number four to continue <laughs> my legacy. You know I. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I'm just saying, guys. You know. <laughs> Isn't that kind of the most Michigan thing ever? where you have a quarterback who's not – it's not quite his time. He's not being talked about to, to lead the team immediately. But that's the person all the Michigan fans, like, they they clamor for and they hope that, okay, he's the savior, he's the next guy. And I've joked in the past that everybody's favorite football player at Michigan is the backup quarterback. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know if you I'm, – I'm sure you remember John O'Korn. I remember when he was uh, the backup or he was a transfer. Kalen and I, I mean, I've, Eric, I'll have to send this video to you. But uh, <laughs> Don't Kalen do that. <laughs> and, and Nate, who used to be on the podcast, man, we all were like, John O'Korn coming in from Houston, like, was a great passer and did all this and did all that. And they came to Michigan. I'm like, who who did we put out there? Yeah. You know? It's, that's kind of like what happened 100%. when Devin Gardner was struggling and everybody wanted Shane Morris under center. Yes. Exactly. Yep. The, the grass is always greener, and yeah. but it's like to the extreme right now <laughs> because there are two really good quarterbacks that are in the system, and their Michigan fans are still looking to JJ. And it's like, guys, we we have two really two guys that would start for a lot of teams out there, and it's still just like that's the attitude. It's yeah. We gotta, and- and we don't talk about Cade McNamara at all, right? right. I mean, right. They, was always, they always bring him up. They say the competition is between Joe, Dylan, and Cade. And we just go like, nah, whatever with the Cade. Joe and Dylan, what do you got, right? Well, yeah. see, you'd like to believe that, but honestly, do you think that Cade is just as accomplished and he's acquitting himself as well as Joe and Dylan? I I would say no, but also when he, I mean, of course we all remember when he came in, what, four-star quarterback, can throw a little bit. Like, it's. I feel like it's always the recruits that people are excited about, and then after they commit, I feel like everybody forgets about them, unless they're like one of those guys that are up in the first or second string. Yeah. I don't know. 
Well, while we're talking about recruiting, I mean, Eric, while we got you here too, I mean, you're you're a recruiting guy, so you can definitely shed some uh, some light on this for us. Um, we seems like Michigan fans are always up in arms about landing or losing an in-state recruit. But how important is it really for Michigan to dominate recruiting in the state of Michigan? You know, you always want to lock up the guys close to home, players that have grown up watching your program, that have family members who support the Wolverines. And it's, it's something every year that people are going to look at when they grade how effective a recruiting class is. Are you keeping the guys, the best players at Michigan? Are they going to Michigan? And it seems like this cycle, you, you've alluded to how that might not be the case in 2021. But I think that's more a, uh, that's a product of people's perception as opposed to the guys the Wolverines actually want and had a realistic shot at. So if you look at one through 15, um, I, I wrote down the players right now in the state of Michigan. Several of those guys are committed to Penn State, but Penn State was going after people that Michigan didn't really consider takes. Jamari Budden, he's going to be really good. And he was a take at Michigan for a while until like the end of May. And then there was a mutual parting of ways. The Wolverines asked if, if he was in, if he was on board, if he was ready to commit. And at the time he wasn't, so Michigan moved on and had different prospects on their board they wanted to go after. But the Wolverines still, they took uh, pledges from Giovanni Alhidi, Raheem Anderson, mm-hmm. um, Andrell Anthony, those are quality kids. Donovan Edwards is still on the board, and Rocco Spindler is announcing on Saturday. So if Michigan closes on the guys that it wants, which includes Sean Benny, the majority of kids I name, they're top 10 kids in the state. And if you can take five or six of them, that's a pretty good year, especially if some of the kids that are not choosing Michigan, if they're leaving elsewhere. Like Damon Payne, for example, he's not even going to be in the conference. So I don't consider that a huge loss. And I guess the question for you, too, is like as far as like crystal balls go, I know Ro and I stayed up all night waiting for Josh Christopher to commit. And like we all thought it was going to be going to Michigan. Do you think that football is more consistent with the crystal balls? Like, I don't know. Like, what's your view on crystal balls and like how does that affect recruiting? Do you think it's pretty consistent with like people are going to go or is it kind of like all over the place? And it's kind of like you can never really expect what's going to happen. You know, basketball can be rather difficult to predict because just the nature of the kids you're dealing with, they don't talk as much, they don't do as many interviews as a lot of football players. So you have a lot smaller sample size to kind of glean from and to, to figure out where they're going. And I think that's really what it comes down to because talking to football players, once you get them on the phone, you hear about what they think about different programs, how their inflection changes, and even the specific language they use. You can tell a lot about which way a kid's leaning. And with basketball players doing far less interviews, they keep stuff close to the vest. You don't exactly have the same opportunity. But as far as crystal balls are concerned, I think it really depends on who specifically is submitting the crystal ball. If you look at guys like Steve Wiltfong from 24-7, he mainly specializes on Midwestern kids. And I want to say his record right now, out of 251 crystal balls he's submitted, he's, he's had success with 246 of them. I mean, that's insane. That's, that's astounding. So essentially, if Wiltfong crystal balls you somewhere, he knows something. 
Yeah. So if it's a guy like him, I, I put a lot of stock in him, really. So yeah. I recently heard that Wilt Fong said that Rocco Spindler was a Notre Dame lead. Um, I don't know if you have any insight on that. Yeah, and that's actually what made me investigate how accurate Wilt Fong is when he does his crystal balls. Now, earlier in this week, so I'm going to be at Rocco's announcement on Saturday, but Rocco and I had an interview set up, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, it fell through. We had another one set up that also fell through. And traditionally, if you're dealing with a kid um, who's committing to the school you cover, they're, they're pretty good on that because they know you're going to be covering that school for years to come. Now, when a kid goes silent like that, it's not always the best sign. In general, Rocco's been pretty quiet and hasn't agreed to do interviews super regularly. So you do have to keep that in mind. But just reading the tea leaves, that's another element that makes me not super confident that he's going to pick Michigan on Saturday. Yeah, and I, that was, you know, Rocco was the reason that sparked this question because I think Michigan fans see, oh, they see Steve Wolfong and all these crystal balls going to ND and they're like, okay, great. You know, one more in-state guy and they're like, you have to have these in-state guys go to Michigan. So that's why I was wondering so much about, you know, how much should fans and, and everybody really invest in these in-state guys. But like you said, you know, they may not like how, you know, obviously Rocco Spindler, they'd love to have him, but there's other guys that may not fit into their mold quite as well as a kid from Massachusetts, you know, from, sure. you know, anywhere else in the, in the country. So it's like, I know that you want the best stars and the best players, but as far as, you know, you still got to meet a kid and see how he's going to fit into your culture, fit into everything else. You know, I think that, that's where people are like, you got to take every five and four star that you can get, but it, it's more than that, right? Yeah, I do agree with that. And maybe in a different recruiting class year where Michigan isn't doing so well landing offensive linemen, it would be more important. But Michigan already has what four commits right now. Tristan Bounds, Greg Crippen, Raheem Anderson, Giovanni Al-Hadid. Three of those guys are four stars, and we have a lone three-star. They're really talented kids. And Drew Kendall is in line right after Rocco. If Michigan doesn't land Rocco, I think Drew's the guy who fills in on that spot. But truth be told, even if Rocco does pick Michigan, it would not shock me if Drew Kendall joined the fold later on down the line too. So Michigan has done, especially Ed Warner, props to him. I've got to take my hat off to him because there's an extremely well a balanced recruiting class right now at O-line. Raheem Anderson's a clear-cut center, but Crippen is going to snap the ball for IMG Academy. He's going to be snapping to J.J. McCarthy every single game this year. And I think having that, yeah, having that positional flexibility on Crippen, who's a guy that we view as a guard, most likely, that can also play center in a pinch, that's big. Huge. Huge. Just being able to have a, a communication with your quarterback – you know, behind you and, and having that chemistry, I think, you know, having one extra year of that, how many guys get that? You know, it doesn't happen that often. And if you look at how many really talented kids play for IMG Academy, having multiple Michigan commits on the squad is absolutely massive. I know Bobby Acosta is the head coach at IMG, and 
Michigan is kind of in his really positive graces right now. He likes what the Wolverines are doing up in Ann Arbor, and that's referenced by how many IMG kids Michigan is in on. Yeah, yeah I think it's. I'll I'll say, ahead, I think Jack. it's good that Crippen, you know, he's developing that relationship with uh, JJ McCarthy. But unfortunately, you know, once Milton McCaffrey are gone, uh, Valar is going to be the guy, and uh, you know he's going to win a Heisman, and uh, we'll we'll win the uh, national title at that uh, at that time. <laughs> Maybe we need to get Crippen and Valari on the same page. Hey, hey, you know, I'm well, not, I'm not be, opposed. I'm it's not opposed. It's gonna be kind of crazy when Milton wins the Heisman, and then back to back years, then Valari wins it too. That's gonna be a couple good years for Michigan, <laughs> dude. You know, I don't know what I'll do at that time, but I might just like. <laughs> This is it. Oh my, my, life is, would, my life is lived. I'm, I, I'm done. I would be dead. <laughs> I would be dead from either alcohol intake or just like in you know. I don't even know. We just shock. On victory. Overdosing shock. on victory is what we'll call it. <laughs> Sign me up for that timeline. Oh, dude, I'm, I'm in. Two years in a row. Uh, yeah, oh, Jack Shield died from OD on victory. That would be the greatest, <laughs> the OD greatest obituary of all time. <laughs> leaders and best right there yeah. <laughs> that's right <laughs> well correct me if i'm wrong but didn't shea patterson and caesar ruiz both go to img and they kind of reconnected later on in college right i don't think they were there at the same time i no. know cesar transferred no, from camden high school in new jersey to IMGs for a senior year i want to say shea was already out of there yeah mm. Okay, but but like like you mentioned, there's a long line. There's a, a connection of IMG kids going to Michigan. Well, just um, those satellite camps too, right? Yeah. When we there's can have a cornerback on the team, his name escapes me right now. That went to IMG Academy. Hmm. Yeah, I can't think of him off the top of my head either. But yeah, it's, it's only been a couple of years. It's a kind of become a really great pipeline for us. I mean. They they seem to. I've never been down there, but I I mean, based on the videos and the recruits that they produce, they seem to just be very solid, right? Seems to be like a go to spot. Yeah, yeah. In, including not just athletically, but from an academic standpoint too, in terms of how the classes are structured, it's as close as you could get to being on a college campus before going to college. So they really do prep kids for what life is like at the next level. Oh, so that's amazing. That's huge, too, that they can do that. Because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like IMG, just from the vibe that I've seen, like, over highlights from players and whatnot, it seems to be an institution of a high school that really prepares athletes to go to college, right? Like, they, like this is what it's going to be like when you go to college. You know, there's not a lot of people that are non-athletes that go there, if any, right? So, um I mean that's a great that's a great thing they have going for them, especially for like if they want to have talented teams and be like, all right, well, you want to play football in college? Come here, we'll show you what it's going to be like. We're going to compete at the highest level every year. That that's amazing for them. And their basketball squad is extremely talented too. Michigan has offered several guys that are hoopers for IMG. So, hmm. have they successfully recruited any of them that you know of? Not yet. Now, have you had a chance to go down there or anything like that? Just curious. Nope. Haven't been down to Florida since like spring break back in college years. <laughs> <laughs> so it's the good, good, good old days. 
I want to ask. I want to ask this too. Um, so we kind of talked about it a, a little bit, but JJ is now becoming this unbelievable recruiter, as well as you know Giles Jackson does it. Xavier Worthy. These guys are like doing more and more. It seems like as commits to recruit other guys. I know JJ's been talking. To, he tweets at Rocco Spindler. He's now been tweeting at Drew Kendall because I think. He sees the writing on the wall a little bit. You know, do you think it – does it seem like these guys are doing more and more recruiting themselves um, than before? Is it maybe just we see it on social media and we didn't before? Um, and how much of, of an impact does that really have on guys that are – they're trying to get to, to, to commit to be a teammate? Yeah, I would say this – particular class of Michigan commits has been as vocal on social media as really any we've seen and that goes back to the days of like when Michael Ferns was committed to Michigan he kind of pioneered the idea of talking to kids early getting them you know used to you and what you're like and building that bond with kids on social media before maybe they're both on a visit together because if you already have that connection and then you're at Michigan in Ann Arbor on a visit with a kid they can sort of see what their future would be like and how their teammates would be. So I do think it's it's pretty important. But in terms of necessarily convincing a kid to go to a school, I'm not sure that that's going to be like the ultimate factor. Um, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it. And nowadays, with how quick and easy it is to fire off a tweet, I know Rocco's had guys from Notre Dame going after him, guys from Penn State too. So a lot of that can kind of get lost in the fray. Like if, if one school, let's say LSU, for example, I don't follow a ton of LSU commits, so I can't tell you if they're pursuing Rocco in the same way, even though he had them in his top five. But I, I could see that kind of going in both directions. Right. Hmm. Well, we're getting late in the show here a little bit, so I do want to make sure we get this last question in there. Um, you're on the recruiting trail a lot. Do you have any really good recruiting stories, maybe something you've heard, seen, wit- been witness to, whatever, something funny maybe that's happened uh, while you've been on the job? Okay, yeah, there's, there are a couple stories I wanted to tell, but they're kind of concentrating around kids that are still in school, so I don't, I don't think it's really the right time <laughs> for that. But going back a little bit further, you guys remember Malik McDowell? Yes. Yeah. yeah. MSU guy, right? Yeah, MSU. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that sounds like an MSU guy. He had a really tumultuous recruitment. It seemed like he was back and forth between Michigan and Michigan State every other day, depending on who you asked. Now, I remember driving down to Southfield High School to watch his announcement. And on this particular day in February, you know, as Michigan is known to do, the weather was just super shitty. I was caught in traffic. We were going really slow, and I was worried if I was even going to make it on time. But at the high school, all of those kids, and this is Southfield we're talking about, so there's like 14 kids signing letters of intent to go to different programs for different sports. One of those was future Michigan defensive lineman Lawrence Marshall, too. Oh, shit. Southfield is pretty smart. The way they had it set up, 13 kids were signing their letters of intent before you got to Malik. And then once it's his turn from the outside, it, it looks like, you know, he's signing all his documents and it's all good. Then later on, a couple of days pass, and we find out 
he didn't commit to any school on that day. Everything that he did was just for show, and he signed a bunch of blank papers. So <laughs> for about a genius. Two, yeah, for like a two-week time period, he was still on the table for both Michigan and Michigan State, and it was a, a debate on who was going to win out because throughout his recruitment, it was pretty clear that his mom wanted him to go to Michigan, but he had friends at Michigan State. He enjoyed the environment over there. And as we know, that's eventually where he choose or chose. But going back even further, he was on a visit to Michigan State one time. Um, D'Antonio was coaching there. He's like, hey, I've got this idea. When your mom comes on the visit, we're gonna tell her that you already committed. Like you, you made your decision. I'll be the one to let her know so that you don't have to kind of bite the bullet and let's just see what happens. And he did that and it did not go well at all. Um, what? She, I think she left the visit right away. She drove back home to Southfield and it, it just like I, completely. I think I remember hearing that story that she like drove away or something. Yeah, it backfired in Michigan State's face. So later on, D'Antonio is trying to visit her on an in-home to repair that bridge. And she's like, I'm not even going to let you in my house. Um, we're going to meet at the Starbucks around the corner. So they, they ended up having that meeting. And I don't know how he was able to get her on board, but he eventually went to Michigan State. And then, you know, we know what happened from there. I mean, mom knows best, wow. you know. Why would you want your kid to go to Sparty over Michigan if you have the opportunity? And that's like the last person, if you're a recruit, that you want to piss off. Yeah. Well, I can't remember what I can't remember what recruit it was, but it was it's a I mean it's a pretty famous video. I'll try to find it while I'm talking about it. But uh, there was a kid. I think it was the Under Armour All American game or something, and the kid committed to somewhere. Oh yeah, and the mom's like the mom literally like, got up, got up, oh, and yeah. left. I remember that. Um, was, well, hey, like, you know, see a person involved. It was something like that, yeah. I think that was it. And speaking of not pissing off a mom, Jim Harbaugh apparently pissed off a mom, Isaiah Wilson's mom, by wearing his cleats on, you know, the the kid's floor, hardwood floor. Come on, Jim. All right, I mean, Eric, right? Basic manners. Just take your shoes off when you come into a stranger's house. Anybody's house. Right? Not even cleats. Yeah, little if you're wearing loafers, let alone a yeah. pair of of freaking Jumpman cleats. Come on, bro. It, it oh. would be weird if you went to somebody's house, took your shoes off, and they said, "No, no, no, put your shoes back on. You're in my house." Right? You'd be right. like, "What is this place?" Um, what a guy is it? Yeah, Andrew Andrew Chatfield. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's my neighbor. No, I'm, I don't know. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> I moved to Miami. <laughs> no, I remember his mother was not too happy with his decision. Who was it? Because it wasn't him. I'll find it. I'll find it. We'll put it up. What schools? But it was like um, he committed. I feel like it was down south schools. God, I have to find this. But uh, oh. I remember that was like that was the funniest shit I've ever seen. I think she had like an Alabama jersey on and like a hat. And like he picked like Florida. And she was yes. like, I'm out. I'm out. I'm leaving. Like literally just walked out. I, I love those live reactions. That, it reminds oh. me of the NFL draft this year when the player's oh. looking at his phone and like his girlfriend goes for it and he snatches it back. <laughs> yes, exactly. And even Isaiah, Isaiah Wilson, do you remember that? His girlfriend like came over and like hugged him and she was like covering the camera and like the mom like tapped her on the shoulder and was like, get out. And she didn't move and she yanked her. 
She like yanked her. That was Isaiah Wilson again. That was, yeah. He's got some great stories. He's got some great stories. Okay, so I think it was Florida, and it was a defensive end slash linebacker, Andrew Chatfield. Well, that's what I just looked up, and it didn't look right. I feel like didn't look right. Oh, I feel like it was a guy at like a school or something. Okay, maybe it wasn't. We'll look into it. We'll correct it. We'll figure it out. <laughs> we'll get it. Uh, what do you say we do some zero to ninety takes? Oh, I got a great one. You do? Eric, oh, I, did, I didn't did actually. You? I I did not prepare you. Have you, have you listened to any of our podcasts before? Yeah, but I'm not privy to this segment. All so right. essentially, what we what we do is we you have thirty seconds, bring a hot take, and just spout it out. It could be anything. Because we had Maddie Abbott on last week. She literally said that uh, Washtenaw Dairy is better than Blank Slate, which isn't a hot take. It's just a fact. Because <laughs> fuck Blank Slate. Washtenaw so Dairy, the Ann Arbor original. But you just bring like a hot take with you, and you have 30 seconds to say it. Is you it Michigan-related or non-Michigan-related? It doesn't have to be. Either way. You can do whatever you want. Okay, are we all doing this? Yep. You'll go last. You'll go last. You'll go first. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jack. Hey, when I'm ready, you want to go with me? Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right, Jack. You're zero to ninety. Oh, oh, Ro, go ahead. Oh, Ro, now, go I, now I have to go through this whole thing and edit it because I fucked God, up the whole thing. Big mouth. Can't shut <laughs> up. I was, I was gonna say, Eric, don't feel bad because you're not um, prepared because I have literally nothing prepared either, and usually these two don't either. So. Oh, me neither. Oh, no. I, I do. I have a shirt ready and prepared. Oh, um, I, I came very prepared for this. Okay, all right. Okay, here we go, Jack. Your zero to ninety starts now. All right, gonna have to move the mic up here so the camera, all, everything fits. All right, press the bell, back open. If tailgating doesn't happen, find us in the basement of Pretzel Bell to tailgate every game, and we'll watch a game there. Go blue, go mystery beers. Good. Hey man, Pretzel Bell, I'm ready. Mystery beers on deck. If if any of our listeners are out there and meet us out at Pretzel Bell, we will buy you a, a mystery beer. That's a blue by ninety prompt. But you gotta buy us two, then we'll buy you one. It's a buy two, get about, one free. I've heard a lot about Pretzel Bell, but I've never been there. Oh, Eric, Eric come on. We'll take you out sometime. It's, it's right, like an yeah. Ann Arbor institution, you have to. But not yeah. not really. It's pretty like new. It's pretty modern. New. It's a modern yeah. institution. It's We're bringing modern. it. it it's yeah. for the it's for us old people who still like to dance and be yeah. act like we're still eighteen. But not like Michael anything? not like Michael old. If you got kids, stay the fuck away. Yeah. You know? <laughs> does, it, does it have anything to do with pretzels, actually? No. No, I don't even think they sell pretzels. Not at all. I don't <laughs> know why it's called pretzels. <laughs> not a pretzel game. Oh man. No, but great time. Great just, place to watch a game. It's good okay. beer. Okay. Yeah, and you can dance and shit. It's it's fun. It's fun. All right, sure. we stalled enough for Row. Row, right. your zero to ninety starts now. All right, mine will be a little bit on the same uh, wavelength here. So reports are out that there is officially no tailgating happening around around Michigan Stadium. That's a blue by ninety scoop, by the way. By the time this comes out, maybe it'll be out there, but. I'll be tailgating anyway. We'll be in a field somewhere underneath my tents with the TV going, watching the games, the full bar, and then we can go to Pretzel Bell after we see Michigan put up a W. 
So pretzel bells. Awesome. The yeah, there's your 30 seconds. Oh man, you got the whole message across. <laughs> I'm there. God, I just put that ball on the tee for you, didn't I? You did. That was perfect. That was a great <laughs> dynamic duo right there, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. Right. I'm Kaylin, tailgating. Hold on. Let me uh, let me uh, get this uh, clock ready for you. Did he just right. lick his finger to press a button on his <laughs> iPhone? <laughs> are you are you upset with my preparedness for this for this moment? Yeah, go ahead, man. You're very prepared. Don't worry, Kalen. Don't <laughs> disregard the asshole in the background. You're at zero to ninety. It starts now. Um. Okay. So I think that I I don't really know. I don't have anything prepared. Um. <laughs> oh, here we go. Here's a good one. Um. <laughs> we need. More food and better food in the big house. I want wings. I want some big, juicy burgers. I want onion rings. I love me some onion rings. Let's get some awesome food in the big house while I'm watching the game. Secondary hot take to jump off of that. Deja vu. Put a strip club in the sweeps. Get that popcorn rolling. I am in to win. And and, uh, to win. Magic, and the Magic City hot wings, too. Hey. Magic City, come up to Ann Arbor. Let's go. <laughs> and worst case scenario, Malu's. Best wings I've ever had. That's a great scenario. What are you talking about? This episode is sponsored by Malu's and uh, Deja Vu, and it's plenty. <laughs> I think no we got free shout outs, right? No yeah, free no free shout outs. No free ads. No free <laughs> shout outs, no pause. We're just gonna, we should just start doing like random ads to sound like we <laughs> actually are sponsored here. Yeah. Let's start doing hey. that. But this 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 ad this episode is sponsored by the uh, Nike shoe box I have my laptop on right now. <laughs> we, we are shipping out space. some cleats. Dude, if we're not <laughs> sponsored by Pretzel Bell by this point, like I, I don't even know. Dude, they they loved my uh, comment or something I put on there the other day. I'll have to find it. <laughs> we're we're Pretzel Bell's biggest fans. I feel like we have to be. I want if we are if we are sponsored by Pretzel Bell, I would retire. And just like live as a homeless person for the rest of my life. Okay, we need to oh, clip man. some segments from this podcast and send them out to him. Oh, have to. I agree. And I okay, listen, here's the real thing. At, even in 2021, I will fly any flag out there or banner at my tailgates if they want to sponsor us. We will put all that shit up everywhere. That's I promise. Big money, dude. That's big money. Come on. There's like a couple thousand people that go there. At least a thousand. For real, I, heard mil- I heard the population was a million in attendance. <laughs> I wish I wish I put this on my Instagram story so it was archived, but I put it on my Snapchat story. And what is it? The bar was 200 feet long with 37 <laughs> taps? <laughs> 37. Yes, we had all Michigan beer at 37 taps, 210 feet long, actually, to be exact. Okay. okay. Oh, my goodness. I, guess all right. I didn't measure it. To... I can't believe we didn't take a picture, dude. <laughs> Rookie. Eric, you've seen how it's done. Do you have a blue by 90, or sorry, do you have a zero to 90 take? Yeah, I do, but I don't think a lot of people are going to like it. Oh, um, oh yeah. better. even better. Even better. Okay, All right. so after driving down to Ann Arbor pretty often to pick up some like curbside service, I see a lot of people, a lot of people, students aged out at the bars. They're, uh, pretty tightly packed in there. My honest reaction to that is, do you guys even want football? But with that, Mark Schweissel said they're going to do on-campus classes this year. I think that's only going to fly for about like a month, maybe six weeks. 
and kind of along that same line, by the time Michigan gets to its first bye week, I think that's all the Michigan football we're going to have this year. He got it in under 30 seconds. Heartbreaking. I'm with you. Honestly, I'm shocked. I would be 100% shocked if students even come back. Because the work, the job that I, the job that I do with Orange Theory, I'm shocked if we even have students back, and that's a big population for us. Yeah, is students coming back, and like I, there's no way that I don't know. In my, in my, in my viewpoint, if students come back, that'll help us. But like, I just don't see them allowing students on campus. I feel like it's all going to be online. All right, hey, what do you put their percentage chance at that football? We'll have one game. Kalen, go, go first. That they have one game in you one month? One game. Yep. One game at all. Uh, you can't put 50%. That's a rookie I score. Say, I say mm, 89%. Wow. That is high. All right, Jack. Fuck, dude. I'm going to say 60. I'm going to say 65. I'm not very high on it. I hope we do, but I don't think we will. Okay. I am gonna go twenty three percent. Ooh, Eric, Jump. what do you think? That's an exceedingly low expectation. What a nerd! <laughs> uh, yeah, I think ninety five percent. Honestly, hell um, yeah, Eric! Wow, I think the guy that these... actually knows something that makes me happy. <laughs> oh, don't get too far ahead of yourself. <laughs> I think it'll go well initially to start off, and then it's gonna take a nosedive. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I can see that. I could see that. Like, if we get one game, or we see either, and don't get but me wrong, game, I'm a Milton guy. Yeah. If we get one game, I'll I'll rewatch that every freaking weekend <laughs> for the next twelve weeks. I don't care as long as I can figure out who the starting quarterback is, see Hassan Haskins at running back, and we win the game. We're undefeated, as far as I'm concerned. That's hey, true. We that's can claim a great our, claim our. Twelfth national championship—that's huge. Hey, great way to go out undefeated. And we'll be tailgating harder than ever. Uh, if Correct. we can tailgate one time, I'll be so happy. So we will. We'll find somewhere. We just we'll gotta go to like. Uh, I'm gonna. I'll, never mind. I won't say it on the podcast. I'll say it great, somewhere else. But great way we'll to go out undefeated, and that's the same way we're gonna go out. Um, Eric, do you have anything you want to plug? Um. Uh, maybe follow me on Twitter at, at Eric Rutter, E-R-I-C-R-U-T-T-E-R-W-D. Uh, that's that's about it. Read our stuff at either WolverineDigest.com or SI.com slash college slash Michigan. Right on. It. Make sure to check out Eric. And then also check us out uh, at Blue by 90 on Instagram and Twitter and at Blue by 90 podcast on YouTube. Um, Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks for coming on. Where I go blue, 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 go